So let's talk more about innovation. The focus as usual in the US, the three possibilities we've discussed last week. Tell us more about it. So if you remember, we had the three possibilities from Mohammed Arian, our leading economist. The first one was orderly disinflation, where inflation comes down steadily to the 2% target. He put that at like a 25% possibility. The one that's more likely is sticky inflation, especially after the numbers we had this week, where it gets stuck around the 3 to 4%, and the Fed then has to kind of crush the economy with a bigger rate rise. So he put that at like 50% possibility. And then the last one was U inflation, where prices come down and then they go up, maybe because China, the economy recovers, or there's strong US labor market, which we know there is. So this week on Friday, we definitely got sticky inflation because it's the Fed's favorite inflation measure, the US Personal Consumption Index, PCI. That came in stronger at 0.6% in January. They were expecting 0.4 and still 4.7 annual. So all that was above expectations. You know, we saw new homes sales falling, but the consumer spending is still strong. People don't want to stop spending money. So this is a problem for the Fed. Right. And what happened this week in, in the equity markets? So if you remember, we had our two groups, the wall of money, the fear of missing out group that keeps buying equities versus the wall of worry, the uh, relief that uh, they didn't buy yet. So um, there's joy over uh, missing out. So this week, a lot of US margin brokers were interviewed on TV and they were saying they're seeing record inflows of margin, but most of their customers are turning short the US markets from long as February comes to an end. So this week, all the data was stronger than expected. So equity markets started to turn lower on Tuesday, finally, as US Treasury prices rose. So this is setting in an expectation for higher rates and for longer. So maybe the market believes the Fed now in what they say. So on Wednesday, we had an inkling into their thinking because we had the Fed minutes and the Fed's James Bullard was speaking. So his view on CNBC was, let's get to the terminal rate of 5.38% faster, and then inflation comes down faster. And in the Fed minutes, they're already noting about US property prices being overvalued and that some of the valuations on the S&P 500 are still very high. So as this started to filter into the market on Thursday and Friday, we saw the equity marks, uh, markets falling and they finished lower on the week. Now, in technical analysis terms, there are some moving average supports just below the levels where we finished the week. But will they hold out next week? So this week, the winner is Jomo or don't fight the Fed group for sure. All right. And let's talk about the Russian-Ukrainian war. It's been a year since it started. What happened this week? Yeah, it's been a busy week because it was the anniversary. Lots of media focus on that one-year anniversary of the war starting. So you get lots of politicians speaking. Even former UK Prime Minister chipped in, Tony Blair. He said the war in Ukraine will only end when it's absolutely clear to Putin that his war ambitions cannot succeed. So we had a full week of the uh, the current leadership. On Monday, President Biden made a surprise visit to President Zelensky in that he took the train to Kiev. This was all kept very secret. Now, in his speech, he said, look, the West is rock solid on its commitment to help Ukraine. And he pledged to defend every inch of NATO territory, which is just to the west of Ukraine. 
So he promised $500 million more in military aid. I think that brings it to about 16 billion that's gone in in aid. But Ukraine still wants to have F-16 jets and none of the NATO alliance are willing to give them to them yet. So instead, Biden promised more sanctions on Russia and he even warned Chinese companies that there'd be sanctions if they provided Russia with military assistance. So then Tuesday, President Putin came out in, with his speech in Russia, where he actually blamed the West for starting the war. It was him that started it, right? So he raised the tension a little bit by suspending Russia's involvement in the nuclear arms treaty with the USA. He didn't cancel it, but he kind of suspended it. So next that day, President Putin was in Poland because he was touring the whole of the NATO area on the east. So he made a very strong speech reinforcing the idea that the West is united and supporting Ukraine, but he doesn't see that the West is at war with Russia. He was very keen to point that out. Now, that left room on Wednesday for China to step in. So China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, was visiting the Kremlin. So the USA are kind of nervous about China. They're warning them off of considering supplying arms and ammunition to Russia. China says, we're not going to do this. So on Wednesday, they were saying some agreements between China and Russia were going to be signed on this visit. Was it going to be trade or was it a peace plan for a negotiated settlement of the war? So Friday, all was revealed. The Chinese foreign ministry said that it hopes for a new dialogue between Ukraine and Russia and a ceasefire. So they published a 12-point peace plan. And one of the points was that Ukraine territory must be recognized and their borders respected. So now President Zelensky is hoping to meet the Chinese president, President Xi, to discuss. So have we got here a way for Putin to get out with saving some face, you know, why why does China want to step in at this moment? Well, why does China want peace? It, it wants the world to settle down. It doesn't want a new Cold War. It doesn't want nuclear threats. It, the West is its three billion strong market for China produced goods, and we don't need the West to be concentrating on war. China wants to re-emerge and rebuild its export economy. So it's a difficult diplomatic mission, but you'd have to say China's doing a good job here. They've been very calm. They haven't really backed Russia completely. They've still said they're a strategic partner, but now they've introduced this 12-point peace plan. So let's see if that can fly. Right. And let's talk about the Chinese balloon. Any updates? <laughs> so no new sightings. Um, you know, President Biden didn't uh, see a balloon from the train or anything suspicious like that. There's a lovely photo online that the Pentagon released. It was taken, uh, it's a, a selfie, out of the window, looking at the Chinese balloon high up at very high altitude before they shot it down. So this guy has got legendary status now in the Pentagon because he took this picture out of the side window and you can see the side of his U-2 spy plane and then the balloon in the distance. It's a beautiful photo. So maybe, maybe we'll put it up later for everyone to see. Yeah, that's a funny story, to be honest. We were watching USDN. But now we have got the new Bank of Japan governor, Mr. Kazu Ueda. He's confirmed. He came out with a rather strange settlement saying loose monetary policy was appropriate to fight inflation. Well, that's not very hawkish. So it's like the market knows Japanese interest rates are going up. But when? So in the meantime, they're buying dollars with no intervention from the BOJ scene yet. 
So dollar yen rose to 135.20 on Tuesday, just as the equity markets were turning lower. And normally, as we say, equity markets lower, dollar strengthens. So the dollar was up at 136.50 by Friday. Yeah. You know what? One of the most common questions I get all the time, people asking me about gold. They love gold for some reasons, right? <laughs> so let's talk about gold. What happened to gold? Well, everyone says that you should have maybe, you know, 5% of your total wealth in gold. But it, it just, you know, years and years ago, 20, 30 years ago, it was a store of value and it was bought when interest rates were going lower. And now that interest rates are going higher, it shouldn't have gone up. But there was a lot of central bank buying of gold. So people bought it as well traditionally in times of war. So, you know, maybe if we're getting a hint of a peace plan, the gold price won't go up as much as it did when we first had the announcement about war, when everybody ran into gold and it went above $2,000. So last week, we said on this call that the price broke below the 50-day moving average, and that was bearish for gold in the short term. So of course, after the strong PPI and PCE numbers that looked at higher interest rates, gold fell again. So it actually tested 18.10 on, uh, on Friday. Now, some commentators came out this week when it was still about 18.35 and saying gold has kind of reached what they call a fair value level. So a fair value is where it's reached a level in the market where buyers and sellers have kind of they've satisfied themselves. Nobody wants to push it lower. Nobody wants to push it higher. It's just a fair value compared to the news that's out in the market at the time. So maybe we'll see a little bit of that to come, or maybe it will follow equity markets. You know, if the equity markets break lower again, Gold is just an asset now. It's like another stock. Maybe it'll go lower again. Right. And what about crypto? To the moon? Well, not quite. Um, <laughs> the price action had several tries in Bitcoin to break above 25,000. Bitcoin is still the widely, most widely held uh, crypto coin. So it's now back just under 23,200. It's kind of correlated to the equity markets again. The, the markets are connected. Um, you know, this week, altcoins were interesting. Generally, they are higher on the month of February. So a lot of people are looking at these alternative coins and some of them have got stories behind them that have sent them higher over the course of February. Brilliant. And we were watching GBP, USD and Euro GBP. Yeah, it's been a mixed week for the UK. There was an unexpected windfall for the UK Treasury. They actually produced a budget surplus in December. So this is where they collected more tax than they've got planned. So everyone thought, okay, if you've collected more money in, you've got more money to spend on negotiating with the uh, with the public sector voters who are out on strike. So those strikes started to go on pause this week because the government has been trying to get away with 3.5% rises. Everybody wants 10% or more. The government said, no, look, maximum 5% wage rises for you guys. So... When that news about the budget surplus came out, Euro sterling fell back to 87.80 and sterling US went up to 121.20. But then as the dollar started strengthening again, both of them moved back. So, you know, we finished the week at 88.40 for Euro sterling and we're back to 119.40 on Friday because of the strong dollar. So those were the kind of positive things. On the negative side, Rishi Sunak, he's focused on Northern Ireland, trying to get a new agreement in place. Previous Prime Minister Boris is still stirring things up as he disagrees with the new policy. So if there's more conservative 
infighting in the Conservative Party. That's normally negative for Sterling. So maybe we saw a little bit of that as the effect this week, really. Right. And guys, look, I don't understand if you realise the exclusive information and knowledge you get from Mr. Tim. Honestly, you, the information you get here is gold, second to none. And the information we provide you at Tick Markets are really, really viable to you. So what to watch for next week, Mr. Tim? Well, still looking at the dollar index. Uh, if, that, if the equity markets fall, dollar index should go higher. Um, the equity markets, will they test that downside support that we talked about? Or will they reach a fair value where there's a balance between buyers and sellers at these lower rates? You know, some of the TV commentators are saying, well, we've had a good rally in January. It all happened very quickly. It's right that we should come back five or 10 percent. They're trying to build a story into something that, you know, is still really about the Fed and the inflation side. So, you know, we'll get weaker gold if there's a more discussion about 50 basis points as the next rate rise in March by the Fed. That's going to start playing out on your TV screens and a stronger US dollar means maybe sterling us will test 119 again big question on dolly yen will they intervene will the new governor say something or do something or will he put the rates up early next month um we're waiting to see what happens at these now higher dollar levels and has crypto connected to the equity markets and following it down so quite a lot to watch out for this week brilliant thank you so much tim for that now it's question time so one of the questions we got for this week was like, when are you going to do a real podcast with Tim and I mean, they mean like you come in <laughs> and we, we shoot it live. Yeah, we should shoot some more live ones, really. Um, I thought about doing one outside the Bank of England because that's, you know, I'm just outside London. So I could go there maybe on a big decision day or something like that. And you see the Bank of England behind me. But I don't know if that's exciting for you guys. But yeah, I need to come to Dubai and sit down in the studio with you and uh, be interviewed. I saw your uh, interview with uh, our friend at Orbix, which I think has just been published yesterday on LinkedIn right. and uh, on YouTube. And it's fascinating to see a guy who's been in the markets for 20 years, you know, like myself. But he started in a different place. He started off as a gold trader. But his story is fascinating. So if you haven't seen it, tune in. We'll send you the link. Uh, it's a fantastic interview by Ahmed again on a guy who's coming from the brokerage perspective. You know, I was a trader, but he's a broker. So, yeah, interesting to get a different perspective on how he started the business, why he started it and how he looks after our customers. You know, we have a fantastic partnership with Orbix and uh, it's uh, really took us a while to find the, the right partner, but now we have got them. It's you guys who are our customers who are going to benefit from everything that Orbix brings to the party. Absolutely. And yeah, the podcast is live now and it's, it's just beautiful insights and talking to them. It's the first time I think someone has done that to interview an actual broker for like 50 minutes, like a long format view, video and just, you know, touch on different money topics. But yeah. Go watch it, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. Please make sure you like and subscribe for more episodes to come. See you next week.